Welcome to this week's edition of AWA Unleashed. We are the preeminent and number one self-proclaimed number one podcast and video stream dedicated to the American Wrestling Association. I'm putting it out there, and if it's on the internet, you guys, it's got to be true. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's add in my two cohorts here, Mick Karch and George Shire, and... I said that we're the number one podcast and video stream, and that's that's what we're that's what we're going with this week, you guys. Absolutely, and you know what? And if we're not, we really are. But if we weren't, it's mm-hmm. wrestling, you know. So I've heard wrestling and fictitious, right? Those two words go together, or is it bullshit? Or I mean, how is it? Yeah, what? Right, what? <laughs> right, I know. You guys are implying an awful lot here. I, uh, but we are number one. Believe it. Absolutely. No, yes. and, and glad to be here. And uh, I saw at a uh, at an independent show last week, I saw a lot of AWA Unleashed t-shirts. Love it. It's uh, it's tremendous. So very, very happy with, with how we're going. Love it. And uh, you guys, I know we had talked about a couple things that we were going to do down the road. Well, let's just say we're, uh, what would they say? This is hot shot booking, as they would say. Uh, we were able to to line this up, and you guys are really going to love it. We're not going to tell you what it is. Uh, you'll find out here in a couple minutes. But before we do, I uh, want to thank our sponsors as well. You can see right up there, 7th Avenue Pizza, the best frozen pizza on the market, bar none. Oh, it's I mean, good. It's, see, you guys actually, you, you had some. It is day, really and, uh, good. I'm I'm telling you, man. I mean, it's it's frozen, but it doesn't taste frozen. Yeah, you know what's really funny is Karch eats it frozen. That's the way he does it. Well, it's so good you don't even want to put it in the oven. You just want to take it out of the wrapper. Thanks for bailing me out on that one, Chris. Yeah, you should see him eating a pizza. His whole face is in it. I've been there. Hey, oh live, 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 mix living his best life right there. You damn so, right. <laughs> so I uh, want to thank that. Uh, also want to thank Liftbridge as well. We'll uh, put them up. They've got great beer, you guys. It's summertime. It's super hot. You want to, uh, you know, maybe you're into the farm girl. Uh, maybe you're into the, the hazy IPA. Maybe you're into the uh, margarita hard seltzer. And uh, for those that um, indulge, check it out. They've got great pop as well. Liftridgebrewery.com. Want to thank them. And uh, also, you guys, Soda Stick, uh, before we uh, before we get going, we've got Soda Stick. They are the only place, you guys, to get uh, exclusive AWA merchandise, AWA Unleashed merchandise. That means if you got a T-shirt or you've got your personalized hoodie. By the way, if you've got them, send us a picture. Send it to mickcartagmail.com or gsshire.comcast.net because if you do... You send us a picture of you wearing your swag, your hometown, uh, your favorite AWA wrestler, and we'll get you on. We'll get you on the podcast. I mean, and we've had people that have been submitting it. I, I appreciate it. It's uh, it's been great, and we've got a lot of fun things on the uh, the docket. But before we get to the special guest that we've got coming up today, I know uh, George. One thing, wrestling today compared to what we focus on. It's it's different, right? I, I don't think it's worse. It's just different. And part of that is actually because of the way that it's presented. You're absolutely right. You know, Mick and I, we go back. I mean, we're older than you, Chris. And we go back to a golden age that we called it in the 60s. And the way wrestling was presented back then was a little bit different because each month, every couple of weeks, whatever town that was promoted, they would have what they called house shows. They were in the big arenas, the auditorium, the National Guard armories. But to promote those programs, to get fans to want to run, don't walk, to buy their tickets, as Marty O'Neill would so appropriately say, they had a television show. And any promoter would always tell you that in order to get their product over, they had to have wrestling on television. Mm-hmm. Here in the AWA, we had all-star wrestling, and it originated from the Minneapolis territory, the Calhoun Beach Hotel in the beginning, and what was different about the product then versus today is that 
they would never put a high-profile match on TV with but rare occasions when they were building a storyline or setting up an angle for a feud or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. But usually... You'd have, uh, as we're going to refer to. I, lo I love your cat, Mick. By the way, I gotta admit. I know. I'm just <laughs> sorry. I, I, open I, I, against I'm, all hope that the cat wouldn't be audible. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna mute your mic. I love you, Mick, but I gotta. I, 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 I completely agree. I'm going to mute the cat myself here in a second. I, I'm so sorry, George. All right, go, go ahead. George. I'm sorry. I just, it's a, a lot of, wow. lot of kitty cat talking. Yeah, I could have a different name for that kitty cat and cart, but we won't go there. Anyway, television wrestling was presented differently back in the day. They would never show the high-profile matches on TV with two main stars against each other. What they did was they would have a Vern Gagne or a Mad Dog Vachon or a Nick Bockwinkel or whoever the top-tier wrestler was. They would have them wrestle against what was in the day known as a jobber, or as we so appropriately like to call them, enhancement talent. And these were guys that most times weren't full-time wrestlers. A lot of times they were just picking up some extra cash or living the dream trying to get into the business. And they were usually not given any type of a push and most fans sitting at home, they realized that maybe they weren't going to win. It was going to be Nick or Dog or Vern that was going to uh, the crusher get the, the victory. But they were there to set up that match. And they'd have their moments. And believe me, they had their fans. And that was what was different about then. Today, it is different because they show big matches on television. Pay-per-views are the big idea out there. So... We started talking, Mick and I and you, Chris, and we said, boy, wouldn't it be fun if we could maybe get one of the uh, enhancement guys on? And I just thought it was a novel idea, and I put it in Mick Karch's hands because, after all, he is the voice of Minnesota wrestling, and he had a chance to work with some of these guys. And so, Mick, what'd you do, my friend? Well, first of all, I hope we have time to uh, bring the guest on. But other than that... <laughs> well, your cat is the one that interrupted the thing. <laughs> anyway, you know, in wrestling history in the AWA, there are some memorable names. George was talking about the enhancement guys from TV. And we have one of the absolute best of them all as a guest on our show. Let's bring him in. The one and only, the legendary, there he is, Nacho Barrera. I'm telling you, oh, I normally applaud a guy when we have him on the show, but Nacho, you absolutely deserve it, my friend, and I am so very happy to have you on board. Absolutely. Oh, thank, you. thank you so much, my pleasure. I, I, I really enjoy you guys talking, you know. Well, we're going to have a lot of fun, and uh, I'm okay. going to toss it to George, actually, for... Uh, Question number one, we're going to go back and forth and we're going to we're going to pick the brain of Nacho Barrera today. <laughs> Nacho, I echo Mick. Great to have you on and we're glad you get to have a chance here. We're going to put you over today. Oh, thank you. I, got a question. I, want to start, I want to start off. I want to ask you this. Obviously, you came to uh, Minneapolis and you'd wrestle the TV cards. I want to know who contacted you. Did Vern Gagne contact you? Did you contact him? How did that negotiation go about? I started uh, working out with uh, uh, Chicago with Blackie Guzman and uh, Sandy Acosta, Jose Betancourt, Andrew Rivera. And uh, and then they told me if I wanted to uh, go to Minneapolis to do uh, TV tapings for Vern. So I, I said, sure, I would love to because I've seen him on when I was a kid, I used to see him all the time, and it was my pleasure to go see him. So I went up there for the first time. I, I, uh, I they were in, they uh, introduced me to Vern, and Vern told me what was my name. I told him uh, my real name is Nacho Barrera. So he told me I, I like that name, so I'm not going to change it. So I said, "Oh, thank you." So uh, after that, I started working for him. That's fantastic. You know, and, and talk about a typical day, Nacho, because I know uh, a lot of, and some of the guys you mentioned, my God, Santiago Acosta and Angel Rivera. Okay. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. Great memories. 
talk about a typical day. I know you. Uh, a lot of the guys came in from Chicago and some from Milwaukee. So take right. us through a typical Saturday. What what was all involved? Uh, we used to go. Uh, they used to, well, Blackie used to pick me up about uh, midnight on a Friday, and we used to drive uh, all the way to Minneapolis for eight hours. And uh, it was a long drive. And uh, once we were up there, uh, all the guys were real friendly, like Billy Graham. He, he always used wow. to tell us, how was, how was your trip coming up here? And real, real nice guys, Ivan Kolov, uh, Greg Gagne, Byrne. Byrne was, uh, he was always good to me. That's fantastic. George? Uh -huh. Georgie, you're up. <laughs> well, about uh, how you were accepted by the top-tier talent. And if, were you were you welcomed in the dressing room by all of them? What, did they just, you know, work you through it? And how did it go? Um, yeah, I was welcome with all, all the all the guys that were there. They uh, they accepted me, and uh, I never had no problem with none of them. You know, they yeah. they enjoy working with me and stuff like that. And uh, Billy Graham used to tell uh, uh, Wally, "I want Nashville this time." I see uh, Wally used to tell me, "You had him last time. See, I still want to wrestle this time." So, uh, so I kept working for him. <laughs> what a feather in your cap! I mean, oh it, yeah. It, 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 that that's fantastic, you know, to get the, to get the admiration of your peers like that, and, and a guy like Superstar Graham. Uh -huh. when, when you came to town, Notcher, when you worked in those AWA TV tapings, who was kind of the go-to guy that would give you, you know, your your kind of instructions, the layout for the day? Was it Vern or Wally, or who was it? Uh, Wally, Wally Carbo. And how did you get along with Vern and Wally? Uh, real, uh, real nice. I, I got real, uh, they were really friendly with me, and uh, I didn't have no problem with them. They were great for me. I guess Byrne and Wally were one of the best promoters I ever worked for. That's mm -hmm. tremendous. That's tremendous. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's really refreshing to hear, Nacho, because there are times when we hear that some wrestlers will say that it was harder to work with Byrne or harder to work with Wally or other promoters. And so to mm -hmm. hear that you had a, a good relationship with them and that they, uh, you know, they took care of you in that sense. I, I like hearing that. I have a question. Okay. You mentioned about Superstar Graham, for example, uh, mm -hmm. asking you to be his opponent or for you. Were you ever given the opportunity to, to tell Wally who you would go, like to go in on a particular card and wrestle on TV? No, we, we never told him uh, because uh, they were the ones that were there. They used to tell us who, who you're going to go up against with. Uh-huh. Okay, so basically you came into the uh, studio in the evening and they just told you who you're going in with and, and you went from there. Exactly. That's fantastic. Yeah. You know, Nacho, you worked, you know, you mentioned Superstar Graham and mm -hmm. and some of the other guys from back in the day and you mentioned Ivan Koloff. And, I mean, uh -huh. you, you were part of an AWA roster in what we call the golden age, the golden era of wrestling where it really mattered. You know, people loved watching the old two out of three fall matches on TV or what have you. What You said you got along pretty well with everybody else. I would have to think that there were maybe a wrestler or two that were a little bit stiffer, a little more difficult to work with. Uh, do you have any on your list that would, would fall into that category? Uh... Like probably it would have had to be like Bruiser Brody. Oh boy! Yeah, him and uh, Jumbo Sharuda, Mr. Saito. <laughs> they were they were kind of. <laughs> and uh, I worked with Vern uh, one time, and uh, he got me in the head scissors, and I beat him. And he said, "You son of a!" <laughs> you know? oh. And uh, they so <laughs> they they told him watch your language. <laughs> oh my but, uh, gosh! But. Nacho, you never worked in the AWA again. Yes. <laughs> That's a burn comment that we heard a few times over the years. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned Bruiser Brody, and uh, what a reputation this guy had. So, when you first of all, when you found out you were going to get into the ring with Bruiser Brody in the AWA, had you ever worked with him before, and did he talk to you ahead of time and basically say, this is what's going to happen, or did he leave you no choice and you just had to go in there and, and do whatever he said? Yeah, we just went and do whatever. Whatever. Uh, he didn't even tell us nothing. He just go in the ring and that was it. He took over the whole match. 
And uh, but before that, uh, I used to, I picked him up at the hotel in Chicago, and then we went to Rockford. And he was a real quiet guy, real nice guy. But in the ring, you know, he didn't know you. You know, he was real tough. <laughs> all business. All business, exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, you know, you face them all, Nacho. I, I think that's, yeah. that's great. <laughs> Interesting comment, too, about uh, Jumbo Schroeder and, of course, Mr. Saito. George, you and I have talked many times how tough Saito was. In oh, and yeah. out of the ring. You, you'd have to have a death wish if you legitimately picked a fight with Saito. Probably Brody, too. I mean, yeah, Brody. they're going to they're gonna make funeral plans for you if you uh, get in their way. Nacho, uh, so, you know, you, you've talked about some of these guys and you've mentioned them. Is there one particular wrestler that when you came in on a regular basis that you always enjoyed working with? And if you'd have had your say in it, you'd work with him every night. Is there one wrestler that stands out? Yeah, probably uh, Billy Graham and uh, Buck Zumoff. And they were, they were real Steve-O. Steve was real good. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Superstar Graham. I mean, that that's high honor indeed. Absolutely. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. we, we, we've mentioned that the era that you wrestled in, and you wrestled from you know, the 70s into the 80s, um, when you, when you look back on that roster of those superstars back then, and George and I have said it's probably the best overall roster in the history of the AWA. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you work with Greg and Jim when they got into the business. Right. They yeah. Ray Stevens. When you look back on that now, Nacho, and you compare it to the business today, first of all, do you follow the business at all? And secondly, how do you make the comparison? Uh, it's very uh, different from today because before they used to give you like a body slam and whatever, two, two drop kicks, and that was it. Yeah. Now now they do a lot of finishes and the, 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 the match keeps going on and on and on, you know. It's very different from today. Did you have an opportunity? Well, I, I, should, I should fast forward a little bit. You okay. came into town and sometimes you would work TV and then you would go right on to a house show. I know you didn't work a lot of them, but periodically you would work a house show in the Twin Cities area. First of all, that had to be an awfully damn long day coming in from Chicago the night before, and then you work TV and then go on to the auditorium or whatever. Did they ever at least compensate you and, you know, give you a few extra bucks and make it worth your while to work that house show? Yes. Uh, Burn usually paid the, the house shows. He paid them real good. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got- I got a couple of house shows from St. Paul. I got like uh, two, three hundred dollars, you know. Wow! Uh, so that was a uh, all the house shows that Burn paid. Uh, he was the best player in the area or the, the whole territory, you know. Uh-huh. Fantastic! Because I went to uh, I went to work for Joe Blanchard in San Antonio, and then I went for the Chic at uh, Michigan. Uh, all the other promoters they didn't they didn't top the price that Burn was paying. You know, George, we, we've heard that more than once over the years. That Vern, you know, despite whatever problems people had with him, the, the payoffs were the best. That's yeah. absolutely true. And, you know, Nacho, I was going to lead up with a question about working other territories. And, you know, mm-hmm. we have heard over the years that there were wrestlers that they, they, they wanted to work for the AWA back in those territory days because it was a good paid territory. And most of the wrestlers will tell you, even if they had a problem working with Vern or something, that they still were there because of the payday and also because of the uh, lighter schedule that the AWA offered the wrestlers versus some of the territories that were, you know, running every night of the week and hundreds of miles apart between cards. So I was going to ask you, now you mentioned Joe Blanchard and you said you went up and worked for the Sheik in Detroit. That would be Ed Farhat for our fans that don't know their their sheiks um what well they're, they're sheiks all over every place oh, you there are. Well, <laughs> yeah. we want to make sure that we get ed farhat in there and they don't think they're working for cosro or uh or somebody you know Adnan. Yeah. Adnan. anyway so when when you work for uh those guys and having the experience of working for Vern, was it different in the sense of of how they paid you you know, obviously it may have been less, as you're indicating, but did you have a chance to work with the guys that you still enjoyed working with, or was the territory just totally different? 
Yeah, it was way different. The, the, the rates, the prices were all very low and stuff like that, you know. Uh-huh. Talk about, you know, I, I, I'm thinking in my mind back to those studio days at, you know, big mark that I was and still am. Uh, I used to go every week to the TV matches, sit front row at the Calhoun Beach Hotel. And I keep thinking back to that roster that we talked about. So I'm, if I toss a couple of names at you, Nacho, can okay. you just, you know, give me a, a couple of lines, just what your, what your feelings were about that particular individual? Because I know you've wrestled them all. Um, uh-huh. I'm going to start with Nick Bockwinkle. Talk a little bit about Nick. Oh, Nick was uh, one of the... One of the greatest. He was a great champion. And uh, I was wrestling Nick Bob Winkle in the studio. And I, and I was wrestling with him. And then he tells me, after the show, he tells me, next time we work, Bobby Hinton is outside the ring uh, getting the people going. So they're not watching me and you in the, in the ring. So next time, just lay down and wait till Bobby Hinton finish what he's doing. And then we go back to wrestling. Oh, yeah. so wow. <laughs> That's what he said. That, that's for, and of course, you know, we, we love Nick and we've heard nothing oh, but yeah. things about you know, So we wanted to go to the horse's mouth and, you know, find out <laughs> what it was like to work with him. Let me toss another name at you here Larry the Axe Hennig. Oh, he, he was a fantastic guy, a real easy guy to work for. And uh, I never had no problem with him or Kurt. That We were real good friends. So. I asked Paul Persman, Buddy Rose, one time. He had taken an axe from Larry Hennig in, in the oh, ring, and he said, "As good as it looked on TV, Larry was light as a feather with that axe." Right, I imagine right. you probably took an axe or two over the years from Larry Hennig. Was he as light as Paul Persman said? Yeah, he's one hundred percent right. <laughs> oh my God! Wow, who would ever figure it? Yeah, that, that's like the one guy out of everybody you're like, no, that's the guy that's going to lay it in. That is so interesting to hear mm-hmm. that, you know. W- was there one guy, and this might have piggybacked maybe off of the, the um, you know, Jumbo and the Bruiser Brody stuff from before Nacho, but w- was there anybody that when you got into the ring that you were just a little, that you knew they were going to go a little stiff and, and that maybe you'd have to, to match tit for tat with them? Uh, the Road Warriors. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. They were, yeah, they were real tough. Uh, nobody wanted to go up to uh, Minneapolis when they, they knew they were up there. Mm-hmm. Did did they – was it a, a, a situation where they just didn't want to sell for you, or what was the what was the story there? Or did you, did you try to, you know, match up with them, and they just wouldn't have any of it? You, you try to fight back, but they, they didn't sell you, and they just kept going at you, kept going. They didn't want to work. Uh, they just wanted to do their stuff. That was it. Man. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, and they were, they were, they laid, they laid them in there. They were pretty, pretty tough, huh? Was there a match that you remember where you had to actually, when you mentioned going tit for tat with somebody and, you know, giving them a receipt maybe for a, pota- a potato or something, any match that you can remember that maybe got out of hand just a little bit or was everything pretty – Pretty well uh, self-contained. No, I never, I never had no uh, problem with none of them. Uh-huh. That, that's, oh. that's no. Go ahead. That, that, that's a great, great line because you hear about the heat that a lot of wrestlers have with each other. Right, right. The only uh, thing I wrestled with uh, Rick Martel, and I, I gave him an arm drag, so he felt the wrong way, and he hurt his shoulder, and he told Wally, and Wally came up and told me he hurt uh, Rick Martel. I said, "Well, I just threw him." He doesn't know. I don't know. He just got hurt. I don't know. <laughs> so was it Martel's fault that he went the wrong way? Yeah, I think it was his fault because he, I threw him and I was an arm drag and he felt the wrong way. Ah, uh, you know those kids. You know you, you can't you can't work with those kids. Rick Martel. <laughs> yeah. You should have beaten him, Nacho. Okay. Hey, when you were in the ring with just a, a vast array of different type of talent on just a consistent basis. Did you enjoy working with the more scientific as they referred to them as like the Don Morocco or the Vern Gagne or Billy Robinson, or would you, were you better off with the, the Larry, the axes and the, and the Bachwinkles and mad dogs? Um, you know, which one did you prefer if it, or were they different at all? Yeah, they were different. But I prepared working with Nick or uh, Larry, the Hin- Larry Hinn, like you say, <laughs> 
Wow. I I can't imagine there's anybody. We haven't heard that too often, that somebody enjoyed working with Larry Henning. You were a tough (laughs) SOB, Nacho. If that's (laughs) Hey, we we just saw a picture of you and Hulk Hogan Uh on the screen just a couple of minutes ago, and I know I've seen that on your Facebook page, and, you know, that's kind of a, a moment in time. Talk about working with Hulk how that was for you, how he was to work with, and just the idea that you're getting in the ring with probably the greatest star from mm-hmm. that era. Oh, he was real light, real easy to work for. Uh-huh. He let, he, uh, he would sell you a little bit, and then he'd take over and stuff like that. But he was uh, – I used to travel with him and stuff, and a uh, real nice guy. Mm-hmm. Wow. But it was real easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, we're hearing about all these guys, you know, in the, in the 6'3", 6'4", 300-pound mm-hmm. range that were real easy to work with. And then we hear about Rick Martell going the, <laughs> going the wrong way on an arm drag. Uh, I, I want to toss a couple of other names at you because, you know, my memory okay. is gone, too. Did you ever get in the ring with Mad Dog Vashon? No, I, I never worked uh, I never worked him. Uh-huh. So you that's, escaped. The reason, that's the reason you're still here. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I heard he was rough. I heard he was rough. Yeah. He was a pussycat yeah. in real life. Trust me. Just, oh, yeah. Just yeah. Of a guy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did, it was a real nice guy. Did you ever have to take a, a chop from Wahoo? You know, I never worked with uh, Wahoo either. There's another one you escaped. Yeah. You know, I escaped you know, yeah. <laughs> now we know why you've had the longevity you have. I know. <laughs> but you I, took an act and you're still here, so I, I guess it would have been all right. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Nacho, you know, th- this is something that I find real interesting. When we talk, you know, we're an old school AWA broadcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when we talk to the wrestling fans and we ask them to submit questions and so on and so forth, a lot of times they're not even asking about the stars. They're not asking about the crushers and the and the Larry Hennigs and what have you. They're asking about guys like you. And and this is this is dead serious now. They talk about you, they talk about Kenny J, they talk yeah. about Scrap Iron Gadaski. So they're remembering the great days of TV. So I, I want to mm-hmm. ask you, how does it feel to be remembered so fondly after all these years? by the wrestling fans, because they love you. I mean, you're one of those guys that absolutely uh, is is thought of fondly in the business. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. And it's uh, it's a great feeling because uh, the fans are, uh, I love the fans, you know, Uh, that, you know, they're, they're the greatest. Mm -hmm. Did you, did you find as you were going on in your career, what was there a point that you kind of accepted this is this is what I'm going to be an enhancement talent, whatever you want to call it. Or was there a point early on, maybe that you that you thought things were going to be a little bit more in the spotlight, more high profile than they were, or was it just kind of right from the beginning? This is what I'm going to do. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what that's the way I felt. Uh-huh. So, so so what did you well, do when you weren't wrestling? Yeah, that was what I, I was going to ask. <laughs> I was, I was driving as a construction tr- uh, truck driver. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the good old days, George. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, b- back back in those days, Nacho, when you were doing your, your regular job, did people recognize you a lot, and, and did they stop you and say, are you Nacho mm-hmm. Barrett? Did, did you get that a lot? Oh, yes, up in the, especially in the, <clears throat> the shopping centers and stuff like that. They uh, they got a lot of fans, and they said, uh, "I wish we had a camera or something." You know, but oh. they, I gave them, I gave them my autograph, and uh, they, it was real excitement. You know, mm-hmm. how long did you work? How, uh, how many years were you in the business? Oh, like thirty-one. Wow! Wow! Mm-hmm. wow. I started, I started like when I was seventeen uh, with Vern, uh, all the way to ninety-one when he stopped, and then uh, after that, wow! Mm-hmm. You were like you were, you were just a kid. You were a kid when you got started. Yeah, seventeen years old when I and uh, Blackie took me up to uh, Minneapolis. So. Yeah. I'm hearing you talk about some of these names: Blackie Guzman, and okay. we mentioned we mentioned Acosta and Jose and Angel okay. Rivera and, yeah. and so on and so forth. Did you guys all come from basically the same 
training camp area or the the small town shows or how did that camaraderie come about uh my uh in 1969 my uh my uh, brother-in-law he's, he was running uh, mexican wrestling from mexico at the chicago coliseum and that's the way i met all those guys from uh and they were all they had a gym up in the north side of chicago at broadway avenue okay that's where, that's where we, we, twice a week we used to get together and train and work out there Mm-hmm. Did you work the amphitheater shows at all? Did you ever have an opportunity to, to do a house show in Chicago at the amphitheater? Uh, no, not not that I remember. Mm-hmm. Well, then you escaped there too because like that this. place uh, that was legendary. You know, we had oh, yeah. we had shots fired at, at Vern and uh, Nick and Bobby Heenan and, and so on okay. and so forth. Um, I'm going to toss another because these names keep coming into my head about the, you know, the guys from back in that day, uh-huh. Billy Robinson. Did you oh, have an opportunity to get in the ring with the shooter, Billy Robinson? No, I escaped him too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, think, I, I, I never had the opportunity. Something here. I think we're on yeah. something here that you got to stay in the ring with Nick, superstar Graham and Larry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and wow. then, you, you've got a, you've got a chance to talk about it after the fact. Right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Go go ahead, George. Well, I, I just I find it so enamoring that you you didn't have aspirations to become a full time wrestler, and let's put it this way: if it would have been presented to you by mm-hmm. one of the major promoters maybe Vern or one of the others to say, Hey, we'd like to put you on regular and we're going to work out, pay for you. Would you have taken that route? Would that would have been something where you'd have lost the keys to the truck and, and been in the business? <laughs> I, that, that's what I wanted. And uh, one time we were at, uh, at the pavilion in Chicago and I hit, and then uh, Mr. Crockett from Atlanta, Georgia came in yeah. and uh, I was talking to him because he needed some guys to go, to go work for him. And then Vern was standing in front of me, and I uh, was uh, Dennis, the promoter from uh, Milwaukee. Dennis Hilbert. Yep. Yeah. So, so Vern, Vern sent uh, Dennis to go see what they're talking about. And then uh, Mr. Crockett told, I'm talking to Nacho because I need a couple of guys to work for me in a uh, steady up in uh, Georgia. And uh, and then Dennis told, no, no, he can't go work with you because we need him over here. So the, the next day, um, I had to go to Rockford, and they uh, – Black Jack Lanza called me, and he told me the show's you you canceled, so he canceled that show for me. And then I, the next week I had Milwaukee, and they canceled it. Oh, <laughs> so I, had a, I had a couple of shows that uh, I guess Burns got mad, and uh, oh. he was Burns. Burns said, uh, "I remember his words. He said, uh, I make a lot of these guys famous, and they want to leave me.'" Boy, and, uh, can I, can you yeah. imagine that? That I, you know, right. we we have heard that. Wow. So many times, Nacho. We heard it from, from Steve Regal. We heard it from Jesse okay. Ventura. You know, okay. all, all the guys that owed Vern their life over the right. years, you know? <laughs> wow. Yeah, and after that, so he punished me for a little while, and then after that, he called me back, so I started working again. <laughs> he sent you out to the woodshed for a little bit. Yeah, he sure, he, he sure did. <laughs> <laughs> that, Nacho, this is going to kind of take a different track, but, you know, okay. looking at your Facebook page, you are, this is what, it, you know, enamors you to me. I see so many family pictures, you know, and, and you seem to be such a, such a natural down-to-earth family guy. Talk about how important family has been to you over the years and how accepting were they of you as a wrestler? Um, well, we were real close together, and uh, all my brothers and sisters, they love wrestling, but uh, they uh, supported me all the time. Uh-huh. They enjoyed uh, watching me and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Was it only travel on the weekends for you, or did you, were you working uh, spot shows periodically during the week? Or was it basically uh, all weekends? All, all every weekend, huh Okay. When, okay. I was in, when I was up in Minnesota, I was up with uh, doing shows for uh, Bruiser in Indianapolis. Oh, sure. Okay. And we were working up there, too. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm interested in, you said you were a, a truck driver. Was was this an over-the-road truck driver where you go from coast to coast type thing, or 
and, and weekends were available? Or how did how did that work for you to be able to schedule your your weekend wrestling? No, that was very easy because we're working like just local around the area in Chicago and oh, stuff like that. Huh? Yeah, so we were off the weekends anyway. Huh? Not so when, when, I, when I was working the very short time that I was with the AWA, and I, and I asked you before we came on if you had worked some of those showboat shows, and in fact you did. I knew, I, I remembered, it was either you that I was thinking about that I introduced, or it might have been Greg Gagne. I kind of get the two of you confused. Oh, okay. Easy <laughs> <laughs> confused. I have talked many times about how things were different in the AWA towards the end of the run there, going into the late 1980s and early 1990s. When you were there and, you know, even in your enhancement role, did you sense some tension? Did you, could you feel that things were a little bit different than they were, you know, back in the seventies, whatever, when you were doing TV in Minneapolis and now you're at the showboat, the crowd there, you got some empty seats there and so forth. Vern's trying to compete with Vince McMahon. What was it like back then? Uh, yeah, you could, you could tell it was almost the end. Uh-huh. And I was talking to, uh, in Las Vegas, I was talking to Buddy Landell and uh, he went there for a little bit and then he said, uh, I'm not going to come here no more. So I told him, yeah, I think it's, Burns just about over, you know. Yeah, I I remember Buddy Landell coming in, and and mm-hmm. why why would he that he wasn't here very long at all? So why would he that quickly decide? Could he just see the writing on the wall that this is this is not going anywhere? And so he left. Yes, I think that's what he that's what uh he, he kind of told me the same thing uh huh that he was uh, ready to go to it because he didn't see no future or something uh huh. I think the same thing probably happened with Dick Slater. I remember Dick yeah. Slater came in for a while, and uh, uh-huh. uh, Billy Jack Strong, Steve DeSalvo came in, and they were in and out. Just in and out. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was it. Uh-huh. That's yeah, you could tell that. Uh, that's a shame. Uh-huh. It was sad, though, you know. Well, you know, Nacho, with, with the way the business has evolved to what it is today, and it's different, apples and oranges, as far as presentation and delivery and that uh-huh. sort of thing, Um if you were 17 years old again, young guy, would you be looking to get into the business as it is presented today? Or would you have th- second thoughts? Uh, maybe I had second thoughts. <laughs> and and what, what would the reason be? I mean, would it be because you, you are not into the tell or the presentation as it is or what? Yeah, that's probably why. Huh? Okay. A L- little too theatrical for you? Yeah, I think so. Just, well, you yeah, might, I, you I, might have to climb three ladders and come off the roof of the Cobo oh, Arena or something. You I know. Know. <laughs> I don't oh, think I, do that. Come on, Nacho. I mean, look at look at the, all the lucha guys and all the high flying maneuvers. Oh, yeah. I could just yeah. see you, Nacho, climbing a seventeen foot <laughs> scaffold oh, and okay. doing like a triple moonsault. That that wasn't in your uh, in your repertoire. I'm I'm guessing. No, no, you wasn't. I'm guessing, <laughs> you're right. I'm guessing, Mick. I didn't want to get into that handicap match with Bruiser Brody, <laughs> Mr. Oh Saito, God. and King Ponga. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, let, let's talk about a couple other guys, because I mentioned Jesse the Body Ventura, and I know, you know, you had an opportunity uh, to at least hang out with Jesse. Talk about him a little bit. When you talk about the characters in professional wrestling, Jesse is right at the top. Oh, yeah, Jesse was a... Uh... One of the, he was a real nice guy. He used, to, he used to talk about stories and make us laugh. He was always making jokes in the dressing rooms, but real nice, real nice guy Jesse was. Wow. Okay. Let me ask you this. When, when you talk about the personalities, and we talked about how Mad Dog outside the ring was really just a, a gentle uh, man. When you, when you look at some of the wrestlers that you had to work with, were there, were there any wrestlers, Nacho, that were living what they did in the ring and they were really that way outside the ring and it was disturbing. They they walked into their own ego and, and couldn't get out of it. No, I don't know. I don't think so. No? no. Well, that's good. That, that is good. I could think of a few that I, I think would be a little hard to deal with outside. Uh, maybe like, uh, probably like uh, Shawn Michaels, maybe. Oh, oh yeah. interesting. Interesting. 
I so, you, you mean Sean uh, Sean believed his own publicity? Is that what you're uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> now, did you have a chance to work with Sean when he was in his early years in the AWA? No, I never did. No, never did. Okay. No. All right. L- l- let's talk about a guy that you had mentioned early on because we have talked on this show that we think that overall he was probably the best overall entertaining talent of them all. And I'm talking about Bobby Heenan because Bobby could wrestle, he could manage, he could talk, he could do everything. I mean, to me, the guy was a genius. Well, you were there for so many years with Bobby. Talk about him a little bit, would you? Oh, Bobby was, uh, he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. We, we traveled together and, uh, one time I was going up to Rockford and I had a car in my, uh, he was on, he was on the, on the, the, the passenger side. It started raining and the water kept coming in his face. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, he said, nah, sure, I just took a shower. I don't need another shower. <laughs> <laughs> and the window didn't go up. So, uh, he, he was something else. He was a great talker. He, he knew the, he was real good to the business. Huh? And you got in the business. What year Nacho did you start? Uh, like in 71. Okay, so Bobby had already been in the business for a handful of years before you got in. Yes, uh-huh. Okay, because, I, I, you know, you had mentioned the connection when you wrestled for Bruiser up there a little bit, and, of course, that's how Bobby got started was right. with Bruiser. Uh, just very quickly, be, before we let you go, all those years and all those guys that you were in the ring with, and some of them were the absolute monsters of the business, and I'm still mm-hmm. absolutely stunned that Larry Hennig would have been one of the lightest guys that you worked with. <laughs> Was there ever a time that you got into the ring, uh, whether it was in a, a house show or on television, and you really got seriously banged up where, you know, it got to the point where you had to let the referee know, hey, you know, I got I got stiffed, I got potatoed here, let's take it home? Uh, no, I never, I never complained about it, but uh, I remember one time we were in Green Bay, and uh, I think I wrestled uh, – uh, I forgot who I wrestled there, but it was, uh, I could barely walk. I had my, my back was hurting a lot. And then uh, Kenny Patera looks at me and uh, he says, uh, that bad, huh? I told him, yeah, he just shook his head. <laughs> I couldn't walk that good. You know? my, my back was killing me. Did you did you have a chance to work with Ken Patera at all over the years? Yes. Oh, yes, a lot of times. He was easy, he, real easy. There's another one. That's, you know, that's amazing. He was fantastic. He was, he was a great gentleman. You know, we, we hear this, and, and again, to the average wrestling fan listening at home, and they hear about all these guys that were so light in the ring and so easy to work with. And you're to me, you're not going to think of Ken Patera, first of all. You're not going right. to think of, of uh, you know, whoever. Do you ever work with Baron Von Raschke? Oh, a lot of times. Well, he was another easy one. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and in and out of the ring, Baron is just a – just oh, a fantastic. Wonderful guy. Uh-huh. Real well, easy, bet. George, I think, I mean, for me and you, I mean, this is really a kick because, uh, you know, we, we want to get somebody like you on the show, Nacho. Kenny J, we haven't been able to get Kenny, uh, you know, oh, on okay. his lawn for a while. Uh, George Scrapiron Gadaski, of course, not with us anymore. Uh, well, he was he was a great guy, George. I met him a lot of times, you know. Did he, he did he build you a barn too? The way he uh, the way he stole Vern's plywood and build his own barn out there in Amherst. <laughs> did you build a house, courtesy no, of Vern? I, I heard about it, but no. <laughs> I want you to know. Speaking of scrap iron, I do have right now up to date photos of that barn, and I'm going to post them on my Facebook. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got them here a week or so back in Amory. Nacho, I just want to say this before uh, we, we do let you go. I have nothing but the utmost admiration for guys like you and all of Thank the you. others, the enhancement talent, as we call them. You know, you guys, mm-hmm. you honestly did not get the credit that you deserved for what you did on a you weekend warriors, as you were known. And I, I just admire all of you who got put the boots on, put the mm-hmm. tights on, went in there and what you did for us, we watch TV, and believe it or not, we were always cheering for you. You know, we, oh. we wanted we wanted you to get that win. We knew that the dog or Bruiser Brody or whoever was going to kill you that night, but it was fun. 
<laughs> I, I really bless you, bless you for uh, coming on with us and taking time out of your day and uh, know that you were loved. Uh, my you. pleasure. I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, we are, we're so happy that you were here. I mean, Nacho, you're still here to talk about it. You know, you probably ran into more knees and elbows than an orthopedic surgeon, <laughs> but, uh, but you were... You are legendary, my friend, and honest to God, and I echo exactly what George said. The memories that you provided for millions of AWA fans, I mean, hold your head up high. You are the real deal, and we're glad to call you a friend. Thank you, Mac. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. My pleasure. All right. We'll talk to you soon. What a guy. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, that, I mean that, that was that was great because it, it is for me, guys. It, it is one of those, and we talk about it now. The back in the day, you're like, ah, oh, this jobber, this guy's gonna. Be, but but you realize that without somebody that could make the stars look good, right? Those stars are not stars without people like Nacho. And if Nacho's not as good as he is, and takes it as seriously as he does, you you don't have the Barons and the Hogan's and the, the Larry, the Axenigs and the Mad Dogs, you don't have those guys that are presented in the way. And I think that's the one word presentation. And, and he helped get them over. Oh, and, well, and when you think about what he says about Larry Henning, giving you that ax and it looks so real. I mean, Larry knew how to deliver it and it looked real. And for Nacho to do the flip and, and, you know, sell it. And then he says, it didn't hurt. I yeah, mean, he was light as a feather. I'm like, that. No, that can't be. That can't be. It didn't. It doesn't look light, so it can't. Yep, I mean, that's selling just... it like he was hit with a semi for Larry Henning. <laughs> I mean, God bless him. You know, it, it, we've talked so many times, guys. Modern day wrestling fans just don't get it. You know, they've been oh, spoiled no. by five main events on a show. We're talking a small studio with guys mm-hmm. that came in, like he said, the night before, driving eight hours all night from yeah. Chicago to come in to work TV for maybe 50 bucks, maybe 100 bucks, whatever it was, and turn right around and go back to Chicago. And here, all those years later, everybody still remembers the Nacho Barreras mm-hmm. and Kenny Jays of the business. And what a testament to that guy. And down to earth, I have wanted to get him on this show for a long time, and I, I'm glad we did. Well, and you know, the yeah, thing I, is, too, when, when you look at Nacho, here's a guy who he admitted to us that they didn't talk over the match before right, they right. ended up in the locker room. He says he goes to Bruiser Brody, what do you want to do? And Bruiser just goes out there and tells him what to do. So, Nacho, you got to give a guy like him credit because he's doing this all impromptu, whatever – Brody or whoever the opponent is calling in the ring and Nacho's doing it and it makes it look real. And there, there were very, very few uh, jobbers out there that could do it as good as Nacho and Jay and Gadaski and, and so many of the others that we could make a list of. Well, I, and I think that's part of it, guys, the, the authenticity, right? It was real because you didn't know what was going to happen because everything, if you're calling it in the ring, you might have an idea of what you're going to do, but until it happens, like your reaction and the way that you're selling it is real. Like the, the fans are seeing you react in real time. And that's something that we just, we don't get, again, I don't think today's wrestling is worse. It's just different. It, it's, it's a very exactly. different product than what we had before. So uh, again, this, this has been great. I'm glad that we were able to get Nacho. And I, I know that the fans, when this thing drops, I know people are going to love it because of all of the emails and the texts and the, and the messages that we get. So I uh, want to thank Nacho again for, for taking his time out. And uh, by the way, I uh, want to thank uh, seventh Avenue pizza. You can check them out. If you've got, uh, if you're looking for something, uh, you know, a nice fun, quick meal and it's good, good quality pizza, seventh Avenue pizza, Mick, you've had it. I've oh. had it. Uh, George, I'm, I'm I think it's one. I'm I'm going to find one. I'm heading over. Sold, it, I think I think it's sold out in your area. That's how popular these things are. When like, was Karch in town? Jeez. Well, the man is absolutely relentless, and I hope, against all hope, that maybe just one small piece of pepperoni finds its way. <laughs> into your throat. I don't want you to pass away or anything, but I just want you to struggle for about five, 10 minutes 
and and that will be all the karma that I need. But back to the pizza, the worst thing you could do, Chris, is watch a wrestling show while you've got that Seventh Avenue pizza in front of you, because all of a sudden, wah wah wah, you got nothing left. You know, the, the pizza's all gone. You've scarfed down the whole pizza, and the WWE is still in their first opening promo. Uh, I know. Well, you know, it's, uh, yeah, uh, that is the uh, that will which will will uh, will not be named. Well, if if you want to wash it down with something. Get a get a farm girl. Get a high a, a hazy IPA. I know I'm going to wash right it now. down with a farm girl. Oh my! Early in the program, Mick is talking about his pussy coming in here for the show. Oh my God! What is happening? Farm girls a drink. I don't. Oh, you got to understand, ladies and gentlemen. The man is on work release, so we have to. <laughs> Oh, yeah. for a few minutes and then he'll go back to his cell they'll lock him up they'll give him some oatmeal and he'll be good until next week oh what a man, oh, man. wow so uh that being said want to thank soda stick as well if you got your awa swag send us uh, send us a picture with you wearing the t-shirt or the hoodie uh send it on you know send it to mick email or george or you know send it to me on twitter uh your name your hometown your favorite awa wrestler and we'll get you right here on on the show. So uh, that being said, guys, by the way, uh, one last plug. Uh, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. It really helps us grow. Uh, whether, you know, you want to listen to the audio, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, whatever. So uh, there's our shameless plugging. And, um, guys, good stuff. And, yeah, Nacho was great today. And I know that he's uh, waiting. And I know there's going to be more shenanigans to be had. But this is uh, this is great. Chris, I just want to add when you talk about YouTube, I've had two people that have sent me a text wondering, how do I subscribe? Oh. And I've explained it to them. It is so simple. Just go right below the, the podcast. There's yep. a subscribe button. You hit it. It doesn't cost you anything, and you'll be notified and get uh, all of our shows. It's that simple. If Shire yeah, could do it, to- anybody oh, exactly. Could. exactly. If I, I knew mean, if how that, to... If I knew if that, how, monkey, if that monkey can do it, anybody if I, can do it. If I knew how to unsubscribe Mick Carr, believe me, I'd be sitting on the button. Sitting Thanks. on the button.